Hey, Bob WP here, and welcome to Do the Woo, the WooCommerce Builder Podcast. This show is brought to you by NitroPack.io, the all-in-one solution for performance optimization of your client's sites. And PeachPay with their streamlined express checkout at PeachPay.app. I'm going to tell you more about our pod friends later in the show. But let's join Robbie and Robert as they have a chat with Chrissy Vandenord about her agency, North UX. Chrissy gives us some really cool insights on how she has successfully ran her agency, and we also hear quite a bit of the backstory on that. She also likes pushing the envelope and has done some cool things with AI and 3D. So enough of me babbling away, let's get on with the show. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Do The Woo. I'm Robbie Adair, one of your hosts. I also have Robert Jacoby, my partner in crime here today to help me host this show. And we are very excited to be talking to Chrissy Vandenord today. And if any of you saw her uh, recent talk uh, at the, uh, oh geez, what conference was it, Robert? Woosash. Woosash. Uh, it was a fantastic talk, though. Um, so we are very excited to have her here today. Chrissy, welcome. And we're going to start with letting you introduce yourself and give us a little background before you got into WordPress. What got you here? Okay. Um, I'm Chrissy Vandenort, and I own North UX, which is just a small little digital agency. We do quite a bit of WordPress. And gee, as far as like how I got into WordPress, it was very accidental. I've called myself actually an accidental developer because I never, I'm, I've never been like a big, like here's my life plan or like the five-year plan kind of a thing. But I definitely like never meant to become a developer. It was just, I was always a creative person and have a background in design and then Back when blogs were kind of a thing, maybe I'm dating myself a little bit, um, but it was really popular for everybody to have a blog. And of course, I was a designer, so I wanted my blog to have a certain look. And so I just kind of started hacking away at things to try to figure out how I control what it looked like. And that my blog was on WordPress, and that's how I got started. And um, a few years later, I was um, hired at a company to kind of do a very small agency at the time to do some design and a little bit of web stuff. And it really just kind of morphed into me a few years in saying, hey, you know, WordPress could do this. WordPress could do that. Um, And ultimately convincing them to like use WordPress for almost all of the sites we were building. And then shortly after that, they were like, you know more than we do at this point. So when you get stuck, we're not going to be able to help you. And it just kind of like snowballed from there. And then now I've been doing my own business for six and a half years. Oh, you're not dating yourself until you say weblog instead of blog. <laughs> Boy, I just really dated myself. Everyone else is looking at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> yeah, Robert. Robert's like, yeah, remember when we had the web rings? <laughs> at the footer. Do you remember the footer blog web ring thing? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Hold on. Let me search for that on Alta Vista. I'll let you know. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, no need to date ourselves here. Um, so Chrissy, you so that's an awesome story as to what got you here. And it's very interesting. Anytime we talk to people who are designers who also become a little bit of a uh, developer, I call I call myself a quasi uh, or a just a fiddler. <laughs> but it's it's interesting. And, and I do think that 
what you describe there is what a lot of what we hear a lot, which is designers with the frustration of seeing their designs come to life, want to learn how can they control it with the code, right? Because it's always, you could design the most beautiful thing and then you turn it over to someone who's going to take that in and put that into a template. And you're just like, well, that's not exactly what I meant. And so, yeah, you go in and figure out how to fix it yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And I've always been like a problem solver. So like I was like the kid that liked to do the logic puzzles And so it was just a very natural, like, ooh, this is a problem to figure out. Let me figure out how to do that. And it's just morphed into being like a full stack developer somehow. So, (laughs) Well, that's cool. And since then, that has also obviously led you into WooCommerce. And you were showing us some really cool things that you're doing with WooCommerce. So tell us uh, what did get you into WooCommerce? What made you go down that path? Um, You know, honestly, like, it may have been like, one of the very first clients that I had when I first started my business was a company called Team Covenant, and they do tabletop games. And they were, I was kind of taking over for another developer. And so they had already made some decisions about WooCommerce, but they needed to extend WooCommerce. Like the very first project that I took on was a things don't work the way we need them to out of the box because they had a subscription model that you could subscribe to these games and just like any time an expansion pack was released, you got it. But though they didn't control the release schedule on those expansion packs. So it wasn't like it was happening on a regular interval where you could just say like every month or every three weeks or even every three months, like it was very random. And so they needed to be able to do subscriptions, but then process them in batches on a whim. (laughs) And so we were figuring out, like, how do we take WooCommerce and WooCommerce subscriptions and make it work for this? And they had kind of had, like, a makeshift setup um, before, but were having so many problems with, like, regular checkouts, not connecting with, like, the subscription thing. And then they'd had big, like, they I think they'd had a scenario where, like, everybody got, like, double charged and, like, really bad customer service sort of situations. And so we just, like, jumped right in and, you know, pretty quickly, like reached out to some people in the community who did more with WooCommerce um, at the time and was trying to figure things out with some advisors. And so I just jumped like right into the deep end of WooCommerce. And that was like six and a half years ago. Wow. So with that particular uh, problem that you guys did, did you, did you do a custom plugin to fix this or did you just do custom uh, code work inside of WooCommerce. Just curious. Yeah, no, we did. um, We made our own plugin um, to extend the WooCommerce subscriptions for the most part, because obviously we want to, as much as possible, allow for, you know, all, all the tools that we're using to be updated and things like that without worrying about like erasing, you know, whatever. We don't want to get too hacky. Um, So yeah, so we did write our own plugin that just hooked into the right places and extended the things that we needed to do ourselves. Well, that's awesome. I mean, so many times the very first time you do that, you don't realize you need a plug-in and you do that little hacky thing and then it, you know, comes back to bite you. Oh yeah. No, thankfully I had like read enough. I mean, I had done plugins before, like that wasn't new to me, but like, I think I just have had been in the community enough that I've not ever made that mistake. I'd seen enough other people maybe make that mistake or talk about that mistake that I I got to avoid that one myself. It's almost a cardinal rule with any open source project. Don't F with core. Right, right. No joke. Um, it's it's kind of 
nice uh, in giant finger quotes to hear that you've probably gone through very similar e-commerce growing pains that pretty much everyone goes through. Uh, have you kind of come across something that's totally insane in that regard? I mean, I'm sure that like we've dealt with all of the standard e-commerce growing pains type things over time. I don't feel like there's been anything that's just like really like crazy out of the box. I I did one time have a situation where like I'd actually already, I think, done some work for this client, but then like they were going to bite off like a really large e-commerce project. And so I think they just kind of wanted to like vet things. And somehow I ended up like flying to Denver and sitting in this room with this person that had had built one you know, million, millions of dollars company and done one e-commerce site on that kind of a level and then was going to try to like ask the right questions. So it was kind of a little bit ridiculous from the standpoint of like, okay, you've, you've built one website for one business, but I built a lot of websites for a lot of businesses. <laughs> so I do know what I'm doing. Well, would you uh, call that a rescue almost? No, I don't. I mean, I definitely feel like I've rescued clients for sure. But I, I don't know that that situation was one. Gotcha. Yeah. But I mean, really, honestly, like even this first client that I was talking about, Team Covenant, like that was very much a rescue situation. In, in sort of the uh, lifetime of WooCommerce, what are, what are the things that have actually helped make your job easier in core? I, I mean, honestly, just they use so many like hooks and filters in the right places. Like that's we do so much of like hooking in and adapting things that way. And even there was one time we actually like deregistered one of the JavaScript files and like registered our own version of their JavaScript file. Like we went that far to do that. But just the fact that you can do that without, you know, worrying about what's going to happen when we run an update and are we going to like lose anything or really mess something up. But so I think just the fact that they've made it so easy to extend with those kinds of things, I think has been pretty key. Um, I I do so many like find and file, like search all <laughs> files for this one little like snippet to figure out like where something is being like hooked from. So we use so many hooks and filters. Like, yeah, it's awesome. Awesome. Well, that's good. That's, you're using the full power of Woo then. And so tell me, how are you guys getting prepared? Are you, one, are you excited or not about the custom tables coming to WooCommerce? And what are your plans for migrating clients to that direction? Um, you know, honestly, I don't, I haven't even like stayed up to date to know or, or make a plan for that. With a lot of new features, we tend to kind of let them have some runway out in the world and see what happens before like really convincing a client that they need to go that direction. Because, um, I mean, ultimately it, it is something we, we don't have clients that are on a retainer that would, would be enough that like we would just do that without like explaining this is what's happening. This is how much time is involved. This is why you should do that. When they like moved towards the whole big like action scheduler thing to like take over those kind of cron tasks that were happening, that was like a big deal of like, 
I remember going to the client and saying, hey, here's all the benefits if we switch and really like take advantage of, because this was the same client with the subscriptions. And so it was like, there were some things that we were like, we could move some of this custom stuff over into this action scheduler and like, here's all the benefits. And ultimately they were like, yeah, that sounds perfect. But that's typically how we approach it. Gotcha. So did you see a big benefit for them with that by moving them after you said, hey, I think this will be great. And then you moved them because they agreed. Did they see the benefit then too? Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Ultimately, it allowed us to really like a lot of things that we had gone outside of like WooCommerce and WooCommerce subscriptions to accomplish for them. We were actually able to then move into more standard WooCommerce processes because of the action scheduler. And so in some regards, like it, um, it simplified some things and kept things more like inside of like the core stuff than some of the, the customized things that we had done. Um, and there's a little bit of just like security in that, I think, or at least they felt like there was security in that. Not to say that like our code wasn't secure, but Right. Just, I think maybe to, for the client too, there's a little more transparency when they can see it in the back end. And yes, clients don't go digging through files. It definitely took it from being like this. I clicked a button and I'm getting a little bit of feedback that it's processing like so many at a time. But to like actually see in a list, like here's what's processing and like the like it was, yeah, way more transparent. I was going to say, I kind of, Chrissy, like you, I kind of feel like clients that are already chugging along, if they're fine, I will probably push that that uh, move out a little bit for them. There's one client in particular, though, we're actually kind of looking forward to having the custom tables capabilities because we would like to do that. Um, but then, of course, going forward, any new ones will set them up with the custom tables to begin with um, after they release. I, I do like to kind of see how things work out, you know, don't jump on the first day typically. But uh, like I said, for one of the clients, we're really looking forward to the custom tables. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think I've, I've been in that kind of a scenario before as well, where um, it was kind of like, oh, wow, this new thing really solves like all these problems. And so like, as soon as it's available, we're like, ready to move on it. But most of the time, I feel like we're kind of like, a, let's wait and see and gather enough information so that we can convince people to that this is like a worthwhile investment of resources to make this change. I was going to tease Robbie about this, but how often do you eat your own dog food in the case of making sure you're upgraded just on your own you know, corporate presence oh. online? So let's just say this is a conversation I had with my project manager just yesterday. And she was like, so I noticed that both in our client portal and in um, like our our public site that we have some updates that need to be run. Do you want me to just go ahead and do that or have somebody do that? And I was like, um, no, I really kind of like to do those myself because I've gotten a little bit hacky with the code <laughs> on those sites because, you know, like when I need to do something for us, I just kind of like get in there and do it really fast and don't always like document things very well and do sometimes get a little bit hacky. And at the same time, like couldn't successfully explain like what we should double check before we actually push these updates live. 
So if that answers your question. Oh, I, I, and I can't wait to hear Robbie's answer on this one because I know you've done a bunch of changes in the last year. Oh my gosh, we have. And just like Chrissy, it's like, okay, so I call my own my own websites my redheaded stepchildren because <laughs> no, no, you know, of course being a redhead, I can get away with that. Um, but um it's yeah, you you same thing as Chrissy, you get in there, you get things done. If it were for a client site, you're like documenting that in the code, you're documenting it in your project for the rest of the team to see. If you're doing it on your own site, you're just like, do it and leave. And then you're like, oh, I probably should jot that down somewhere. And you're just you're hoping that you remember yourself when you go back in there to do it. I know we, it's always the, you know, your own sites that you're bad. You're, you just get bad because you're just like, hey, I, I get uh, lax lax on myself. I don't make myself follow the protocols I would if I were working on a client side. As we oh, yeah. should though, by the way, we should treat our own as a, we are the client, right? I mean, we should. We should. This sounds like a good goal for 2023. Uh, it, this might be way too generic of a question, but how much do you actually want your customers to be meddling around? And yes, I use meddling purposefully, uh, it, you know, in the back end. We have a really, really wide range of how we work. And ultimately, it really depends on the client's skill set and understanding. And so we have clients that like, they're afraid to edit a typo on a page. And so we're doing just regular WordPress content management. But then we have, to the extent of like, we also have clients that have an in-house developer. And we have also helped, like got clients to a point where they needed an in-house developer and helped them hire an in-house developer and then continue to work with them. So like it's, there's about as far apart as you can get there, get there on what they do. Yeah. I understand that Chrissy. To me, it's the same thing. You get a client that's, you're like, oh goodness, they, they may never even log into the back end of their website. Yeah. Not because you're keeping them from it, but because they're like, <laughs> oh no, I, no, I don't want to log in there. Can I just have you do it? And you're like, yes, okay. <laughs> Send it to the support ticket. Um, but then you have other clients and quite honestly, I enjoy working with the clients that have highly technical people on their side too, because you can talk in your own language, right? I mean, it's, you can just talk to them and they understand and, 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 and you can converse much faster. I feel like there's, and, and so I do enjoy having those clients that you, you're not afraid to give them yeah. full admin access to everything. I mean, as a matter of fact, a lot of times I feel like working with a client, you know, you learn things too from some of these clients. So because of their particular needs, way they've done it in other systems before, then you can go, oh yeah, that works here too. Let's do it like that. Yeah. Yeah. And we always, with every project, we consider our clients as users. So we always build things in a, the only time that they're going to have to come back to us is if they want to add a new feature or there's some kind of like weird edge case bug that popped up that we didn't foresee. But and and like really just like they can fully manage everything themselves. And some clients like totally run with that. And we'll hear from them like once a year when they are like, ooh, can we do this? And other clients, you know, like I said, really want the handholding and the, you know, I could you please just go edit this one thing? And we do that. But it is nice when clients are doing so much themselves. I feel like that, that does inform us on how other people interact with the dashboard and expect things to work. It's always really enlightening because 
I can't tell you how many times we have a conversation where they're like, like, this isn't working. And then I'm like, why, why wouldn't that be working? And so usually it's always like, okay, let's like screenshot or screen share. And you realize that they're like totally coming in from like some weird other angle. And you're like, oh, no wonder that isn't working. I would have never thought to have tried to get to that spot from this, you know. And so it's always kind of something of of like just learning how we can do it better or present things like to them from a just usability of their own site. Just blame the client. No, it's all your fault. <laughs> you you no. can't use Internet Explorer anymore. Um. <laughs> oh, my word. <laughs> hey, everyone. Bob WP dropping into the show for a short break to tell you more about our two pod friends and to thank them for their amazing support. If you're looking for an all-in-one site speed optimization solution for you or your clients, and one that is trusted by over 100,000 sites, look no further than NitroPack. With easy setup and automatically run optimizations, such as advanced caching mechanism, image optimization stack, code minification and compression, critical CSS and built-in CDN, your clients will be on their way to increased conversion rates, a better user experience, and an easy pass with their core web vitals. Want to learn more? Just head over to nitropack.io. If you are looking for an express checkout for you or your client's Woo shop, look into Peach Bay. It's customizable and makes it easy to change button colors, text, width, border radius, and a lot more on product pages, the cart page, checkout page, and the mini sidebar checkout. It also has an optional short code that allows you to drop it in wherever you'd like. You can even go further with customizations by adding upsells, cross-sells, and related products, as well as notes, coupons, discounts, and both multi-currency and multilingual options. PeachPay can also work as a supplementary checkout option or as a single payment method. And lastly, you can collect payments through Stripe, PayPal, Google Pay, and Apple Pay with more payment methods coming down the road. It's all there. Just check it out at peachbay.app. Make sure and check out both of these pod friends. And now let's get back to the show. How do you wind up going from WordPress to sort of a more traditional WooCommerce store to kind of the amazing 3D AI voodoo projects that you do now? I think a lot of it has to do with I'm a problem solver and I am a... I'm going to say this, but at the same time, like it's, it's very contextual. Um, I'm a risk taker. So, but I'm not like a risk taker. Like I want to go skydiving risk taker. And I had a little bit of a safety net. Like when I worked at the, my other agency, they would come to me and they'd be like, Hey, we have a client that wants to do this. Is that possible? And I would do enough research to feel 60% confident that it was possible. And then I just figure out how to make it happen. And so I've kind of just operated um, with that mindset. And I would say I have enough experience now that I would say like it's very rare that I come across like a 60% confidence level with a request. But it certainly served me well in some earlier years when I was just trying to figure things out. And I'm also a stick with it person. I have absolutely never, I don't think ever, uh, bailed on a project like 
I've never been like a, oh, this could, I've, I've learned a lot of hard lessons. I have absolutely spent way more time than I estimated and ate that time myself. But just like having that kind of like tenacious, I'm going to make this work attitude, I think has gotten me pretty far. And I just also tend to say that now, like when people say, hey, can we do this? I'm like, the answer is always yes. It's just a matter of how much is it going to cost and how long is it going to take? Exactly. And if you're willing to do that for this. Do you find yourself in in the role that you're able to actually suggest things that the customer, you know, wouldn't have necessarily been in their comfort zone or uh, on their landscape? Yeah, absolutely. And I hope that like that is where we're offering the most value. You know, I want for our clients to come to us with their problem without a solution because that's usually where we can create the best solution. Where and it, and sometimes it takes a little bit of especially with small businesses because they're so used to having to do things themselves. And so they're used to having to figure things out. And so they come to you and they're like, "I need this." But I think it's really important to say like, "Okay, why do you need this? Like, what problem are we solving? And is that really the right solution? Or is there a better solution? And absolutely, I have been, um, again, like when I was working for another agency, like, I think it ultimately went well, but like into like a brand new, we we just signed off and we're doing this like kickoff of a new web project. And I totally like went sideways and suggested this other, whole other like piece of things that was not part of the original scope. And ultimately the client was like, that will save us like a whole employee's worth of time. So yes. So like I essentially upsold and like my boss was super happy with me, but I feel like that could have really gone wrong too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that might've, but it was, it was good. It did turn out. It's November, so we know it's Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Do you have you already talked to some of your clients, or they're some? Are they? Do you feel like they're prepped and ready to go? Especially, you've got your, as Robert mentioned, your big, cool, snazzy 3D module. Can it handle <laughs> Black Friday traffic, Cyber Monday? Um, it can handle Black Friday traffic, but awesome. I'm going to say something really crazy. Um. My clients don't tend to do Black Friday stuff. Oh, really? Wow. I, I know. <laughs> what? <laughs> I know. It's insane. You know, the and, – and I feel like in some regards, maybe I've just gotten lucky <laughs> that I've not had to have like crazy like be on call Black Friday kind of scenarios because they're, you know, doing something new. Yeah, I think it's just been like the nature of their e-commerce businesses they have either felt like there wasn't enough benefit or like or they've done something kind of more small scale black friday like here's a little 20% discount it's nothing like totally crazy but like the the furniture companies that i've worked for that do the whole 3d stuff i'm trying to think i don't even think they will open on one of them won't open on black friday but they'll be open on saturday even though they have the 3d stuff on their site now they do a lot of their sales like in person still and then the other one, they sell through dealers. And so it's kind of up to the dealer to decide if they're going to do some kind of like sale or discount. Um, and they don't necessarily have to do anything to support that. So you're not generally worried about like the uh, the, the scaling spikes and, and you know, w- w- 
will the site go down kind of stuff is, you know. Not over Black Friday. We've definitely, definitely dealt with that kind of stuff, usually around stuff that we've done for clients that's event-based. And so, like, we did one thing where we built this whole, like, tiered registration system so that they were having, like, a a conference. And they were going to also stream this conference. And so people could sign up to host, like, satellites of the conference. And so, like, we had to allow people to register at, like, different level of, like, we're going to host this and it's going to be, like, less than 10 people or we're going to host this and it's going to be, like, a thousand people and, like charge them different levels and then let their attendees register for their thing. So it was kind of like this tiered registration deal. And we definitely had to manage traffic spikes around when the conference happened, but then also when they were starting to release like certain blocks or levels or whatnot. So, so you, you're almost expected to be a, a, not just a digital agency, but also a sysadmin and IT shop at the same time. From time to time. Yes. Um, and I would say, like, that's, like, the one thing that I usually um, – I've got, like, a few go-to people that I kind of rely on for that kind of a thing because I'm like, you know what? Like, I I just – I feel like I've I've learned a whole lot. But, like, the whole, like, AWS, like, Elastic Beans talk, like, all that, I'm just kind of like, you know what? I'm okay with not diving down that rabbit hole myself. So <laughs> I will have, like, a couple of people and, like, schedule them to be on call and they'll walk me through enough that like I could handle, you know, spinning up something else, but like the configuration of that and stuff, we, I just, I leave that to other people, <laughs> but we do do that for our clients sometimes when needed. Yeah. I don't like to go down the rabbit hole in those things either. And not to give Robert a bigger head than he has, but like it, in Cloudways, you have a lightning program and stuff. And so like I can actually, <laughs> his hat doesn't fit anymore. Um, but, you know, then I can reach out to those kind of sysadmins that, do know the deep dives on those things that I care nothing about learning. (laughs) I have other things that I want to deep dive in, but you know, yeah, network uh, and and traffic management of network. No, no, not my, not my cup of tea either. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, and I think uh, most of the the quality hosts out there now do have some support for people. And so it means people like Chrissy and I don't have to be experts in those fields Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of like managed WordPress hosting for mm-hmm. most of my clients. I really try to kind of push them that direction so that we don't have to navigate that like totally on our own and unsupported. And so just being able to say to some of these hosts that we've used, hey, by the way, like we're expecting this traffic spike. So what do we need to do? And um, And I've had hosts say like, hey, we'll just out of a courtesy bump you up a level for this time frame for the spike yeah for for black friday <laughs> or whatever that might be yeah yeah it was essentially um that one in particular was for the Kansas City Ballet and they have a huge spike around nutcracker time oh and so it was basically covering that of all the hubbub around nutcracker and so they bumped them up for a month or so and then took them back down so that's that's going to start up in probably what two weeks. <laughs> yeah, I will say I think that in something like that, it, it's not like it's a day or two days that 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 hits for Nutcracker. So yeah, you do need like a month, and I think that's kind of more the trend we're seeing with Black Friday nowadays too. Is I mean, people are already starting their Black Friday sales already, and they're running them 
uh, basically almost the month of November. And that does help pace out the traffic for not just them, but everyone else. Yeah. And it's great for consumers because that means they can, they don't have to all like be on standby on one day to try and get specials. So. Yes. Yes. There's not like that stress of like, oh my goodness, I have to do this. Kind of like, um, I can say this here because my daughter won't listen to this podcast. She's only 10, but we're going to get, we're going to try to get her Taylor Swift tickets and take her to her first concert. And so like my husband's like, do you have an alarm set? Like, have you done the thing? And it's, it's very much like that. Get in the queue. And hope you're right. You know, you're talking to one of the biggest Taylor Swift fans. <laughs> this is like- I know. I was just like, I'm trying to get tickets too. And uh, now uh, Do the Woo has become the Taylor Swift uh, chat. <laughs> That's right. We're all Swifties here. We're, oh, it's my all goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm a big nerd, but oh, yeah, I know. I'm excited about this. I'm not a Swiftie. My daughter is. But <laughs> I know. No, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I can enjoy some Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. And also, my husband teaches high school English. So, Like his students are just, he got a lot of Swifty students. And so like, he's like in, I mean, he's the one that knew that she was even going to be doing this and like kept being like, I think she's going to announce it a thing soon. And it's just because his students have told him. It's not like (laughs) he follows anything that he would have known that. That's funny. I might've known it was coming too. Just just going to say 1989, maybe one of the greatest pop albums ever made. I'm I'm done with that. I mean, well, I'm going to say she just hit the top 10 out of the top 100. That's amazing. That's pretty impressive. It's very impressive. It's very impressive for anyone. Speaking of, now I've got to go look and see if Taylor Swift's uh, e-commerce store is WooCommerce. I'll be looking at that just here in a minute. Right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if if anybody else does. I'm sure they do. But like a dream client of mine would be like to do some kind of musician site, like one, like a musician that I really enjoy. And like, and maybe I wouldn't like it actually when I did it, but something about that I just think would be like really fun. Well, it's just so, you know, consumer facing and it's just like everyone would see it. It's so consumer facing, but it's also like, there's so much like ability to like push the status quo or do something a little bit outside of the box that like where you could still deliver like really great UX, but it doesn't have to be like this exact experience that everybody's check is, is assuming is going to happen on like a shoe website or whatever. But you could, you know, integrate all that fun 3d stuff so we could have Taylor Swift bobbleheads. <laughs> I know. That's right. Somebody, anybody got a hookup with Taylor Swift? Uh, we just need to convince her to get off of Shopify. Oh, oh, okay. I have, I have to say, I don't hate Shopify. <laughs> <laughs> Woo is accepting of all. It is fine. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I always say, I always say all the e-commerce can learn from one another. And I, and, and some, some e-commerce platforms do certain things better than others. And so you can always take from it. We, uh, we do know, as you've already stated in here, Woo is very extendable. Yes. Whereas when you go to a SaaS platform, you don't have the extendability, but you may have some cool features that you don't have somewhere else or they're just built in, baked in. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think the extendability I, is huge, is huge. And so I try to really make sure that like, hey, mm-hmm. this may meet all of your needs right now, but where do you want to be in five years? 
And are you going to have to totally change to another platform to get where you want to go at that point? Because that's an important consideration to make. And some people are like, you know what? I'm, I know I'm never going to want to do something. You know, I, I know I want this to be just like the really standard, typical e-commerce scenario kind of a thing. And, and so sometimes it depends, but sometimes other platforms are fine. Correct. Sometimes it's a stepping stone for people um, and you need that for them, like you said, because what they maybe they're brand new and starting out and they don't have much budget, but they do need to get into e-commerce. And so there may be this, we've actually even stepped clients through one SaaS platform that was a, a lower end, less bells and whistles on up to a Shopify, then on up to, oh, you need your own WooCommerce because you're doing all these cool things now and they're tying into this and that. And I can't do that on that SaaS platform. And so, yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. All e-commerce, I think they have a place in the ecosphere and it's up, it's up to us to determine for our clients, which is the right choice for them at this particular time and space. And you do have to think future, like you're talking about. I mean, is this something that's only going to be good for them for six months if they take off? Then maybe this isn't the right answer. Or is this something that's going to last them for three years before they need to make that next step? So yeah, definitely. I, I've done like a webinar on this. I need to like flush it out a little bit more. But I have this like course that I've got like half written about kind of like a websites 101 or like technology 101 for like either the DIYer or like I'm responsible for a website. And so how do I understand like just like know like what a database is and open source versus closed source and um, and just kind of like understanding like all of those nuts and bolts that ultimately, you know, when someone says to you, you know, a cash, like what do they mean? And just enough of that knowledge to be able to like feel empowered to make some of these decisions instead of just feeling like, because I think a lot of people just get like paralyzed in that decision of like, well, which platform am I supposed to pick? I don't even, and like they can read a bazillion articles, but they don't understand like the technology differences behind them. And so, you know, they're really ultimately just kind of like hiding their eyes and, you know, randomly picking one because, you know, they're just not equipped with the right kind of knowledge to understand like the nuance between some of them. And so- And they don't care. Yeah, but they should care. Some of them don't care, but but they should care. Like they're going to care later when they realize that they've painted themselves into a corner. Sure. But I mean, their core business is not technology. So how are they, you know, my core business is not cars. Uh, I, I drive whatever my wife tells me we're supposed to drive. And, and then because it gets me from point A to point B, right? Sure. Mm -hmm. uh, so, Chrissy, we just need you to write like a, a choose your own adventure book where you wind up going through all the paths and you can start the book every time and see where each path leads you. Yeah. No, that's a great idea. I mean, I could make a form that does that basically. No, it's got to be a cool book with, you know, like stick figures and pictures and <laughs> <laughs> Dragon's Lair of the Game. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, so Chrissy, what do you have coming up on the horizon? I mean, you showed us that really cool uh, 3D plugin that you did on WooCommerce. Are you doing this for more clients? Are you looking at some other cool technologies that, you know, we should know they're on the horizon from you? You know, I hope that we get to do this with more clients for sure. Um, I would I would love to. And I've, I've definitely had conversations with some other clients about using this um, particular tool. So hopefully you know, one of them will bite off a new project soon. Um, 
and and some like kind of fun use cases that are like outside of like the furniture realm that are a little bit more like space planning or more things that would be fun. Um, right now, our big project is creating, and I can't say too much about it, um, but creating um, a really customized uh, learning management system. And I'm, I wish I could say more right now because I'm so excited about it. I'm so excited. You can totally it. say more. We won't. We, Robbie and I will not tell a soul. Not a soul. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it definitely like is in kind of the actual like uh, educational and special needs space. And so, and I think that there's just, there is a huge need for this in that um, intersection. And so I'm just super excited to see like where that goes, but it also is ridiculously complex from just like even a data structure standpoint, because there's, you know, 200 some lessons that are going to be loaded into this, but then there's what we're calling concepts, but, but just like learning things that need to be learned that are going to appear in various orders and lessons and things like that. And so there's just like this weird mishmash of like, of how data is going to interact with other pieces of data at different times. And relate to and be used and reused and tracked and all that stuff. And then, then you need fun. to make it SCORM compliant and then, exactly. you know, t- <laughs> t- testing and all that fun stuff. Yeah. Or I'm just guessing until you tell us who it, who it, or what it is. Another thing that I love about this is the client is essentially going to do like a beta launch with like limit, like a hundred people to go through and, and like is coming in with like a very phased approach. So I feel like we'll be able to like go through with this like group of 100 and gain so much information before we like start like a phase two of making it more like robust. And that to me is really fun to be to get like real user information and then be able to have the ability to just immediately react and and adjust and redesign and design the future around that. Do you find that you've gone through like these kind of closed beta projects before? Um, not quite like so explicitly, but certainly I definitely have had clients that have taken a real like staged approach to releasing something new and done a lot of like, let's give them one little piece and then get feedback and use that feedback to decide what we're going to do about the next piece, but not in such a limited group kind of a way, more like they just put one piece out to everybody and then took information before deciding like piece number two. And are you going to have an e-commerce piece in this? Yes, it is definitely like there's a, um, there'll be like a subscription model to this, you know, long-term plan, there will be licensing of like group accounts and then like way long-term plan is we're even wanting to maybe license some of some pieces of this via like a REST API to make available to like other platforms that might want to use it. When do we get to hear about the uh, actual uh, launch? I'll put it that way. So this first initial launch is supposed to happen January 1. And I could probably like share more then. Perfect. I guess Robbie will have to have Chrissy back on to so she can share more. <laughs> That's exactly what I was just thinking. I'd love that. Cause like, 
I'm I'm super excited about this project. Awesome. Well, yes, well, we would love to hear more about it. So uh, we better wrap this up, though, now, because otherwise, you know, we, we could talk all day here, I, could, I feel like. So I, I got to get my Taylor uh, Swift tickets. What are you talking about? I, I know. I was just thinking, I need to go and get and find out what time I need to set my alarm for. Now I feel behind the ball after Chrissy was like, yeah, I got my alarm set. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, I have my alarm set because my husband's like, do you have your alarm set? Because again, he's a teacher. So like he can't be available like at 10 a.m. in the morning to be online and like hovering for like them to go on sale. So I have to do that. Awesome. Well, I'm going to go and set my alarm right after this. So thank you so much, Chrissy, for coming on and, and sharing the information about your projects, your business. We've enjoyed talking to you and we definitely want to have you come back on and, and talk about this next big project that you can only tell us little snippets of right now. Uh, well, I would love that. Thank you so much for having me. This has been fun. Uh, lest I forget, how can uh, folks find you online or in 3D? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Our website is northuxdesign.com. And you can follow me on Twitter if anybody's still using Twitter right now. Hey, I, I just got verified yesterday, so I'm in. Whoa. <laughs> I, I spent that $2, two cups of coffee to check it out. <laughs> um, so it's, uh, I'm at Chrissy Ray, I believe is my handle, K-R-I-S-S-I-E-R-A-E. And then I believe that our business is uh, North UX Design is our handle there. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Hey everyone, thanks again for tuning in to today's show. I'd like to give one more shout out to our two pod friends. Metropack.io for a powerful optimized performance solution for your client's WooCommerce site. And PeachPay, a sleek and simplified express checkout that is fully customizable with an easy way to upsell or add customer incentives to the checkout at peachpay.app. And if you have a woo story to tell, reach out and let us know. So until the next time, keep on doing the woo.